Welcome to the Living Faith Missionary Church Podcast. You're about to listen to a message from Pastor Chris Starn, Senior Pastor at Living Faith in Yoder, Indiana. It is our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. Well, good morning, church. So glad you're here this morning. Unfortunately, I am not with you this morning. I am uh, on vacation in Virginia for two weeks. But I did want to take this first Sunday of the new year, 2022, to share a message with you. You know, New Year's is a time of, of new beginnings. Uh, and many of us uh, will make resolutions, or, or maybe we've made a resolution. Maybe we made it on, on a Friday night or, or yesterday. But, you know, we, we want to change our old habits. We, we want to change our lives over the next year. So we, we make a resolution saying that this is what we're going to do. Now, personally, I don't like making resolutions because Number one, I, I find them very difficult to keep. Um, I have, you know, I have as high aspirations for making the change, but it just doesn't always happen. Also, uh, I, I don't like, you know, failing. I don't like, you know, disappointing myself as, as I make these resolutions. So I usually don't make any. But there's one resolution that I think all of us needs to, need to make, and, and, and that is... Uh, that is what we would grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, and if we're not growing, the reality is that we're backsliding. So we must always be progressively moving forward in our walk with Christ. And the thing about it is the beauty of this is, is that if we are growing as Christians, then also the church itself will grow. So I'd like for you to take your Bibles out. And I'd like for you to go to Second Peter, and we're going to begin in the first chapter with the first verse. This is what it says. It says, Simeon, or Simon Peter, a servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have attained a faith of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now, this letter is from Simon Peter. This is the same Simon Peter who walked on water. But then when he took his eyes off Christ, he began to sink. This is the same Peter who had a tendency to suffer of, from foot and mouth disease. He kept saying the wrong things at the wrong time. This is the Peter who denied Christ even after he said he would never deny Christ. And then in the garden, he cuts off the ear of a servant. And Jesus has to heal him. This is also the same Peter who, after he had denied Christ three times in the courtyard of the high priest as Jesus was being tried, 
Jesus later restores him three times. And this is the same Peter that at Pentecost preached the gospel. And 3,000 people came to the faith that day. See, Peter was a leader of the 12 apostles. He was a leader in the Jerusalem church. But it's interesting if you look at Peter, ever since the resurrection, he, he, he did not think more highly of himself. Well, there was at one time when Paul had to confront him because he was not eating with the Gentiles whenever the Jews were around. But he had learned his lesson. He doesn't call himself the vicar of Christ or the first pope, as the Catholic Church later will end up doing. But what he says in this, this letter, at the beginning of this letter, is that he is a servant of Jesus Christ. Peter willingly is bowing to his Lord as a slave, as one who's lovingly committed to worship and to work for the Savior who had done so much for him. Now, now we can find comfort in knowing that we can learn so much from this man and from his experiences as a follower of Christ. Now, you and I must understand that, that we will not have the same apostolic authority as Peter. But if we truly love God and love the Lord, love Jesus, we can have the same faith in Jesus Christ that he had. That was based solely on the righteousness of Jesus. But what is faith? Now, we think that Faith is just believing in God. We believe that He exists or and that He loves us. And, and that He created the world. I mean, and this is this is what Peter wants us to focus on. He wants us to focus on the saving faith we can have in Christ. You know, in, in Hebrews 1, I mean, I'm sorry, Hebrews 11, 1. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now Peter, he saw. He had the advantage of experiencing Jesus in the flesh. He, he, he saw the miracles that Jesus performed. He, he saw the empty tomb. He saw Jesus' resurrected body in the upper room. But see, you and I don't have that privilege. But that does not mean that our faith is any less than Peter's. And what Peter wants us to experience are two great things. He wants us to to experience grace and the peace of God. Now, now grace, in New Testament Greek, grace is charis. It means a gracious favor or a, a benefit that's being bestowed on someone. And at the same time, it also means this gratitude that we have, or what's called can be considered a great, a grateful thanks. That is very appropriate to the grace that we've received. In the New Testament, it refers to God's sovereign kindness that's at work, His favor to men who who are totally undeserving. You know, Romans 2, 4 tells us that it's God's kindness that is meant to lead us to repentance. This grace or this kindness of God is, is this unique joy and this pleasure. 
You see, Peter knew the grace of God in his life. I mean, he had been forgiven and restored when he didn't deserve it. And what he wants us to do is to reach out and be blessed by God. And then there's the peace he wants us to experience. In Hebrew, peace is the word shalom. It carries this idea of, of a wholeness, of, of, of a unity and a harmony, perfect harmony. Now, in Greek, the word used for peace is erene. And while this originally meant for a, a time where there was uh, an absence of war, it actually speaks to something much greater than just human peace. It, it's divine peace. It's it's a result of being reconciled to God by the death of Jesus on the cross. And Peter prays that all of God's people will have grace and peace in abundance. And that all these things will overflow into our daily lives. See, see God has used this great power in, in giving and preserving his word, the Bible. And it is full of these great and precious promises and Jesus promised that he would, he would live with us, he would tabernacle with us, he would be with us. And that not only that, but he would also enable us to become increasingly Christ-like. So, so the Word of God transforms us so that we can become living letters, testifying to the promise of God. And this is all possible because we are part of the body of Christ. And the corrupting influences of this world are being removed. And the God, there's godliness instead of godlessness. And it becomes this motivating factor for us. And this will ultimately lead to the restoration of perfect fellowship with God in the life to come. Now, if we go back to Second Peter, he says, For this reason, because of grace and peace, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for if these qualities are yours and are increasing so they don't stay this to say it's not that we get them and that's it, it that, but they're increasing they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted. He is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. See, you see, Peter keeps this correct perspective on life. He realizes that it's transitory, it's temporary. The only life that has any benefit that matters at all is the life that is lived for God. So we must evaluate our lives in light of the truths of Scripture. I want us to, to examine these truths that Peter gives us. I, I want us to, to imagine that it's a ladder that's propped up against a wall. Now, as we're climbing a ladder, we, we need to be careful. We, we don't want to fall off. We don't want it to be a mishap. I hate climbing ladders. Not because I'm afraid of heights, but just because I'm afraid of falling off. And the outworking of a Christian faith is like climbing the ladder. Because life 
the world and the devil will conspire in many different ways to try to cause us to take the wrong step and to fall off the ladder. To climb this ladder of faith, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be strenuous. And it needs to be taken carefully and diligently. Now, if we go back and look at these attributes that Peter gives us, the first one it rung, it's the first rung of the ladder, and that is the is faith. We all start here. And it begins with believing God and, and trusting his word and believing in Jesus Christ. This is foundational to our Christian life. But see, we can't stay there. We can't remain on that first rung. We must add to our faith and to take the next step up on the ladder. And that next step is virtue. Now, now virtue can be defined as moral excellence or a righteousness or, or, or goodness. But see, this virtue that we have is not just so that we can have it, but this virtue should cause us to take action. When Jesus was on the earth, he went everywhere. He went all over and he was performing good deeds to countless numbers of people. As Christians, we need to be known for our acts of love and our acts of kindness. But not just to those that we know, but to everyone. Definitely within the church, we need to be known for our acts of loving kindness. But if, if we're not known to the world for these acts then our faith is confined to merely coming to church on Sunday morning. But again, we don't just stay on that second rung. We need to move up to the third rung, which is knowledge. Now, now this knowledge is different than um, knowing Christ. It's different than the saving knowledge of verses 2 and 3. What, what Peter's talking about is, is, is information about Jesus Christ and what pleases him. See, we must progress from a very simple knowledge of the way of salvation and we must live in light of, of that salvation for the glory of God. We, we need, need to go deeper. We must grow in our faith and we must mature. See, we, we can't just survive on spiritual milk. You know, we can't just survive on Jesus loves me, this I know. Yes, that, that idea is foundational, but we need to dig deeper. We need to be like the Bereans. We, we, we need to be able to have spiritual meat. The Bereans would, would search the scriptures. They wouldn't just take what somebody said or they wouldn't just read the surface. They would dig deep into the scriptures. Now, as we climb this ladder of faith, we, we must learn the absolute necessity of self-control. Now, the world is out of control because sinful people are unable to curb their passions. We must be different. We must have self-control. We must exhibit it in our lives for the sake of Christ. You know, Proverbs 25, 28 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. There's no protection. We're vulnerable. And then we must take the next step on this ladder of faith. And that next step is steadfastness, or what we would call perseverance. We can't give up. We have to keep pushing on. We have to keep running the race. This takes determination. We must be like Christ who endured the cross for the joy that was set before him for the life to come. 
Peter knew what it meant to persevere. I mean, he was he was he was whipped by the leaders. He knew what it meant to take up his cross daily and follow Christ. See, God is calling us to faithfully follow him, no matter how difficult our lives seem to be. And our self-control will lead us to godliness. Now, this doesn't mean that we become perfect or that we become gods, but we're to live consistent, godly lives that show that we have a very practical awareness of God in every aspect of our existence. We can't just compartmentalize our faith. It needs to be all-enveloping, all-encompassing. It needs to be part of every part of our life. And even though we're surrounded by temptations, we don't fall for the latest fashion or the latest fad, which will bring us into danger. But we must live quiet and godly lives. The next rung in our ladder of faith that we must climb up is brotherly affection. This is an all-embracing term that, that affects every relationship among Christians. Now, whether we're at home or whether we're at work or at school or on the playground or, or walking on the street or in the church, we are to be called upon to show, we are called upon to show kindness, irrespective of the person who's to receive it. Whoever it may be, we are called to show kindness. Whatever else is said about us, we are to be known for our kindness, not just kindness to animals or kindness to children, which is important. But we are to be kind to all people, even those who persecute us. And all of us, all these rungs on this ladder of faith are wrapped up around love, agape love. This is the greatest of these attributes. And no matter what, this should be the hallmark of our Christian life. Climbing this ladder of faith will reveal the fruit of faith in our life as a true child of God. Because moving on as a Christian reveals a longing for the things of God in greater and greater measure. And now Peter's going to give some guidance on how to care for and how to protect the church. Look at verse 10. It says, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, see Jesus doesn't just call us, but he also equips us. He gives us the ability to serve him. And when Jesus calls us, it's more than just an invitation. I mean, this is a royal command from the King of kings and the Lord of lords that we must obey. It's a mystery why God calls us. Why would he invite us to come? But when we respond, we find that Jesus has chosen us for a purpose. And that purpose is to bear fruit. John 15, 16, God, uh, Jesus says this, he says, you did not choose me, 
But I chose you and appointed you. That you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. That means it should stay. It should continue to grow. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You know, sometimes we doubt. But this is when we are inconsistent in our behavior. Or we allow ourselves to be sucked into the world's ways of doing things. But if we realize what God has done, and is doing, and what he's going to do, we should repent and return to Christ. And in the process, return to climbing that ladder of faith. And we can be assured of our place in the future eternal kingdom of God. I want to make sure you understand that the Bible makes it very clear that it is not by personal effort that we are saved. We cannot be sanctified by personal effort. It all has to do with the mercy of God. God will reward us as faithful servants of Jesus Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, he says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And then if we go back to 2 Peter, you know, you and I always need to be reminded of things and, and Peter realizes this. He says in verse 12, he says, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of a reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, he knows he's going to die soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made it clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to any time to recall these things. See, God's word reminds us of God's truths so that we can avoid the pitfalls of living in this fallen world and, and of the false teachings of the evil one. When Peter wrote this letter, error had crept into the church. And today, error continues to attempt to lead the faithful into apostasy which is a falling away from the faith. But Peter gives us three ways that we can counteract the falsehoods that creep into the church so that we can maintain our spiritual growth. The first one is to repeat. See, in our humanness, we, we seem to easily forget and stray from the truth of the gospel. We, we need to be reminded of what the, the gospel says, of the truths of Scripture. Each Sunday, my goal is to preach the truth of the Bible. And if you pay close attention, you'll discover that, that there are many times that I'm saying the same thing over and over again. You've heard it before. But, but these things need to be continually emphasized because the pressures of life can lead us to forget things. You know, at the Lord's table, and when Jesus was celebrating the Passover, he was instituting communion. He said these following words. He says, this do in remembrance of me. It should be a cause of sadness for us to, when we become so shallow in our remembrance of Christ, 
and what he's done on the cross. We, we can't let that happen. So we need to repeat the truths of Scripture to us consistently and constantly. The next thing is to know. It is so important for us to control our thoughts, which translate into actions. I mean, true knowledge of God and of his word will lead us to the avoidance of those things that are dangerous to our spiritual growth. We should always ask ourselves three questions. Is it safe? Or will, it, will I be putting myself and others in dangers? Is it sensible? Or is it something silly and foolish? And am I sure? You know, there's this... There's this term in when you're cutting things, especially when you're cutting wood, is that you're to measure twice and cut once. Sometimes I measure three times. Something may be safe and sensible, but am I sure that God will be pleased with my actions? We need to be firmly established. Peter's advice is to be firmly established in the truths of Scripture. False teachers will use these clever tactics to try to lead us astray. But the only ones who fall for that are people who are unstable in their faith. But false teachers will distort the truth and confuse these Christians in their faith. But you and I, if we are staying true to Scripture, if we understand Scripture, we will be able to see through the tactics. But only if our feet are firmly planted in the truth of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. You know, it's it said that the uh, a stream is sweetest at its source. There, there's nothing like a, a sweet, refreshing word of God. Peter longed for God's people to 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 be to be deep into the Word of God, so that they wouldn't be arid and dry in their experience of God's love. So, what does he? What is the antidote for when we are feeling jaded or, or when we feel like we're under tribulation or when we feel like we're suffering? The antidote is the refreshing truth of God's Word. And that Word helps us to remember God's truths. You know, as we grow older, our, our memory we become more and more disorganized in our memory. Events that occurred decades ago may seem crystal clear in our memories, but those things that just happened recently are hard for us to recall. This is one of the reasons why it's important for us to expose children and young people to the gospel, to the to the Word of God, because in future years they they may they may be able to recall these things that they were taught, even after a lifetime of walking away from God. These things that we teach them as children could come back to their memory. We also must work amongst older people in order to bring to mind those things that they learned as children. You know, the sign of a healthy mind is that you can remember the essential things. And our minds need to be sanctified by the memory of Jesus who gave himself for our sins and for our lives and rose again to bring us life. And this is why we take communion in remembrance of what Jesus did for us. You're going to take communion now. Remember. Remember the truths of God and do this in remembrance of what Christ did for you.
Thank you for joining Living Faith on our YouTube channel. My prayer is that this message today has encouraged you and strengthened your faith in Jesus Christ. We would love to connect with you, so please subscribe to our channel and hit the bell so that you get updated when we add a new message. Also, please leave any comments you might have in the comment section. We would love you to join us live for our service on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We hope you have a great day today. God bless.